0: I'm spinning in circles and I'm talking to myself. Spinning in circles and I'm talking to myself.
1: Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism.
2: Hello welcome this is a new spin on autism answers i'm lynette louise your story teacher host otherwise known as the brain broad and we're here to have a wonderful holiday it's holiday season christmas is around the corner hanukkah's happening let's 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 really have a good time here um i brought back somebody that you've heard from before if you're a regular listener and if you're not shame on you you should be okay just before i get talking to her though and we tell you the stories and the challenges of autism and holidays and maybe even surgery i don't know we'll see what happens um i want to remind you that i have books to sell and since this is going to come out just before gift giving happens you can grab my kindle for 99 cents i think for another like 12 hours and so the kindle for the wing maker is up for 99 cents grab it and send it to someone and you'll still make it in time for Christmas and it's a gorgeous story and it'll change your lives. And it'll change mine because then you bought it and I feel better as an author. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, it's it's a happy, happy, happy time of the year. And because it's a happy time of the year, it brings all our emotions. And when it brings all our emotions, unfortunately our emotions come in a rainbow display and so we end up with melancholy and joy and panic and fear. And so just throw it all in the blender and stir it up. And by the way, you're going to have life too. Life's going to have challenges in it. So throw that in there too. And let's just see if we can land in a happy place. We're going to talk about a little, a little bit about what that's like, trying to meet the holidays head on with lots of stuff happening. And we're going to talk to Jennifer St. Jude. She's a friend of mine. She's been on before. Welcome to the show, Jennifer.
0: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, you're welcome. We're really excited. Oh, but I forgot to tell them. Make sure you stay to the end of the show because that's where I'm going to do stories from the road. And today's okay, 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 great guest giveaway is going to be a song, especially for you. Okay, so let's get to it. Jennifer St. Jude, you've had a challenging preparatory holiday period. You want to? Sort give them a background of who you are, your kids, yourself, and then what you've been dealing with
0: lately. All right. So, well, my background, I guess, is I have two daughters with autism. They're 11 and 9. Um, and uh, from traveling that journey to having them diagnosed, I recognized my own um, diagnosis and was diagnosed um, with autism as well and started uh, just... Pretty much trying to simultaneously heal myself along with trying to help heal them because I felt like if I didn't, then I wouldn't, they, they would outgrow me. And I think that's the point that I began to think I really need to face this and deal with it as well because they began to outgrow me with their skills. And, um, it was, I was concerned that, that I, they would get to a point where they would have issues on that journey and I wouldn't be able to help them because I hadn't even looked at that stuff. So, um, I just began to work on those issues as well and try to like keep up pace. So, that's That's my life and what i do um I work um probably mostly as a as a mentor and an advocate for um, people who are disabled, mostly with autism issues in their family, but other things too um, and just keep pretty pretty busy so that's that's my life I have a degree in social work despite a lot of my challenges and I really, really love social work, and it's come in handy. It's pretty much all I do with my life, and, um, and I love it. So um, is that anything else? <laughs> well, actually, that's just pretty
2: impressive. So let's just take a minute to say, wow, good for you. And, of course, you're busy. Okay. It sounds like a busy life. And, uh, and by the way, I, the same for me. You know, I just wanted to heal my kids, and to heal my kids, I couldn't ignore myself. Yeah and sometimes the greatest motivator is to have some kids going, yeah. "Help me yeah. mommy, help me." And um and you go, "Okay, as soon as I figure out how."
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. it it yeah. was definitely something that um I you know, it is a very challenging difficult path to travel to heal things that not only um do you kind of come out of the gate with a deficit, but then when you've gotten so used to compensating in your own kind of messed up way, but you've got that set in stone. It's really hard to undo all that and to learn how to do something very differently and more healthy and more effective when you've been kind of practicing this other method for so long. But it was essential because I thought I don't want them... I mean, honestly, my thought was I don't want them to grow up and have this life. It wasn't... It was very challenging. I felt like just connecting with people and having any kind of, um, you know, easy, healthy interaction was always, like... I think I worked like a thousand times harder than anyone else just to look a little bit normal, <laughs> you know, so it was right. definitely something I needed to address so that they could have, you know, have the life that, that they deserve. So, uh, so I doing good.
2: This, yeah, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I've often thought, especially cause I'm a little farther down in that journey than you are. And, um, I just understood my kids differently than everybody else did. And I know that there were times where my challenge of explaining what I understood to all of the powers that be, you know, the educators and, and whatnot, while I was traversing it all, my challenges were there more than they were with understanding the kids. And in many ways, it was a blessing that I was peculiar as well. Do you ever find yourself in that place where you're going, well, at least I I get what's going on with them?
0: Yeah, um, I think probably, like you're saying, I think that um, I understand them because I get it from the inside out. So when I see something happening, I think, I know exactly what's going on in your head, and I know exactly what the problem is here, and I know what would help. And and I feel like excited in that, and then I share it at a table of psychologists and you know specialists and BCBA people and stuff, and they have no idea what I'm talking about, and they, you know, like aren't really on board with my idea, and I and I just feel so frustrated, and and I, I know that a lot of it is my ability to use words effectively to, kind of take what's in my head and the pictures in my head that I see and I know and understand, and put them into words that they can hear and understand. And so I wind up, usually my effort is like I make a little effort, it all falls apart, and I just sort of run screaming and throw my toys down. And, and that's, you know, I've, I've tried to really have to, you know, push through that and move into a place of, okay, let me try again, let me write this down for you, and just different things. I, I also realized that while I looked at these people and thought that they were these experts, I realized that they don't know certain stuff, they don't understand certain stuff, that they're actually really just winging it as best they can through literature and things they're reading about and maybe taking a workshop on, where I live it 24-7 for several years. So I understand things that they haven't really looked at yet, and I don't know how to try to get them to understand that I've I've been down this road, I'm, I know what I'm thinking, I know what I'm doing, and I think that this would help. And I don't think they want to admit that they don't know how to tackle a problem effectively either. And so that I just you just get a lot of resistance and reinventing the wheel and you know problems. But I think the key that I'm learning from my adult advocate friends is education. Like it's easy to respond in anger and frustration and walk away and just say forget this, I'm not going to do this. It's harder but definitely more effective to say, okay, they don't understand. How can I educate them better? How can I come back to the table and bring something that will help them understand what I'm saying? and try again. But that that's my goal. That's my ultimate goal is to educate people. It's just not my human go-to response, you know. Yeah,
2: so. no. I I I get it. I remember um when the kids were little making a very clear choice to do the work with them first and then try to be an advocate because it was more than I could do to do both.
0: Yeah. So do you
2: ever feel torn between the two then?
0: Yes. Um, you know, I, I felt like I got a late start with getting them treatment. And, and so that was, um, it felt like I was trying to catch up with treatment. And then once we got all that treatment, it was so draining and so much energy. And I often wondered, I mean, I, I it's still a hard call because as I look back, I think to myself, you know, would it have been better had I just spent quality one on time, one on one time with them and, you know, found ways to, to make them heal or something, you know, or was it better that I made this choice and gave up some of that? Because you're right, you can't do both. It's very demanding to be advocating for treatment and help and accommodations and this and that. And, um and simultaneously having quiet moments, reading books around the table or just, you know, it, it's really hard to do both. And um I don't know, you know, very often I just think, you know, forget this, I'm just going to, I quit, you know, I'm just going to throw it all away and just homeschool them and do this myself and forget it. And um, I know a lot of people who do that. And I I think the only reason that I didn't um, is because I don't, my social skills are, it's something that I'm working on. And honestly, if I was just given free reign to educate them, I would not be the parent that was going and taking them on field trips and socializing with others <laughs> and doing all those wonderful <laughs> things that I really think they can benefit from. I'd be like in the house going, don't talk to people. I can't stand people, you know? So, you know <laughs> and, I, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to make, I'm going to make these kids little like, you know, recluses. I don't want to do that. So I, I mean, I made my choice. I think everyone has to everyone's different and everyone has to make the choice that they feel is ultimately the best. And, um, I had I was recently asked to write a, I don't know, it like a little article in in uh, a book that someone was bringing out, and one of the things I said in there was that, you know, I think no matter what you do and you try to make it perfect and you just you know work so hard to do the right treatment at the right time and the right intervention and you know and then, you know, in the end, you know, you're always going to make mistakes. So you're going to have question yourself, but I really think the bottom line is in the end your children will know that you tried really, really hard and you did what you thought was very best because you loved them with all your heart. And that's what matters. You know, it doesn't really matter what you did. It matters that how you did it with your heart, like that you cared and you wanted the best for them. I think that's like the bottom line. It doesn't even matter what we choose in the end. I think it all kind of comes to the same. The same, Yeah, I agree. Know.
2: I agree. Yeah. Totally. And even if, it, if you made maybe all the right choices, but with the wrong attitude, you might end up teaching, because you teach your attitude more than you teach your your choices actually your kids pick especially autistic kids pick up on our energy shifts and our intentions as much as they do the actual lessons we're teaching
1: Um, and that's one of the problems with
2: yeah (laughs) no it's true and it's one of the problems with the whole advocacy while raising our kids is that you know we're advocating that that they are needy and that they can you know function like everyone else and that's what they're learning. Meanwhile, we're trying to teach them that they can function like everybody else. They can. So right. it's like an, a built-in conflict. So tell us how they are functioning, like their ages and, and where they're at, so we can kind of get a picture of them. Sure. Well, I
0: just wanted to say on the advocacy thing, um, I would, I would, it would probably be this for me to not say that I am a much better advocate for everyone else and their children than I am for my own. I usually spend the IEP advocate moments that I'm that when I'm in an IEP just crying and just falling apart. So that's really not for you. <laughs> I've, done, I've done a way better time. And, I, and I, I'm really glad that none of the parents and the people that I've advocated for has ever seen, like, you don't publicize the IEPs because they'd be like, oh, my God, is she going to actually come to our IEP like this? You know, but I, for everybody else, I'm fine. I take all the emotions out. and I'm good. And I can, you know, really make it happen. But for myself, forget it. I'm just like, well, oh, you know, so it's I, I don't think that I can call myself an advocate for my children. But. um I just definitely share their, their, their heart. That's it. So how are they doing? Um, well, they're, they're amazing. They're, I love them so much. They're so amazing. They're 11 and nine. Um, they've had, they've had different experiences with autism. One is probably more, you know, the old term Aspergery. And, um, so she appears to have certain skills, but then can't always carry certain things through. And we've worked on different things and she's amazing. I mean, they're just, they just really work so hard. And, and just come back to the table. You know, they're always like if something fails, they come back to the table and they work harder and they try again. And they're just really impressive. Um, the, so she, the, the older one, um, she's just turned an amazing corner. I remember in the beginning, she would not talk to anyone. And when we'd finally coach her into the scripts of how to, like, interact and, and ask someone to play. And I remember her asking one of the small kids to play. And then she stood there. And they said yes, but then she stood there, and then she ran back crying, and she was like, I asked them to play, they said yes, and then they just stood there, and I don't know what to do. And it was like, I mean, she, you know, she didn't, that was, like, she didn't know how to fall You through. forgot the next step. You know, so, and, and I remember not being able to get her to join any groups, and it was like a huge battle to drag her into the center of children and say, come on, you know, we can all play. And what's so amazing is she just had a birthday, and we had um, – we had about, I, don't know, I think about 10 or 12 kids. And that's another thing. Her first birthday party, I'm not kidding. I think we invited 40 kids. It was, we combined their birthdays and we invited 20 kids from school with one of them, 20 from the other, and one child came. And it was devastating. And I, it, was, it was just devastating. And here we were at this, you know, party six years later with all that we've done. And my problem at this party was too many kids showing up. And how was I going to get her away from the group so that I could talk to her about something like she was just enthralled and playing with every single child there, interacting, having fun, balancing things out. She even had one friend who is struggling a little bit more on the spectrum. And I and I went up to her and I said, um, you know, please try to reach out to this friend a little bit and pull her into the group. Maybe have her sit next to you. And she looked at me and didn't understand why. And I said, you know, there was a day that you used to be like this and you're not like this anymore. You've you've grown so much. And you've come so far. But, you know, but she's still there and can you help her like a lot of people helped you and and she did and she brought her over and sat her down and, and just, and I, I, I just wanted to cry. I thought, oh my God, like, I didn't realize that we had gotten through that tunnel. It just didn't even occur to me until I found myself going, oh, I can't get her over here if she would just stop talking to all these kids and I thought, <laughs> oh my God, you know. And I had to suddenly flash back to I wish she would talk to any of these kids, you know and i i just i just want to cry even telling you it's just it's amazing, it's just amazing yeah. so that's my that's my older one the little one um she she grows in her own way, she's really sensitive, so she steals a lot and um and but she she's you know she's gone in her own direction, she's an incredible author, she's such a little girl, and she writes these stories. And illustrates them, and they're amazing, and and I just can't believe that she does this kind of stuff and connects with the world sort of through the back door. You know, she she writes stories about kids with cancer and all kinds of things. It's really it's remarkable, and um and school is not the best experience for her because she's not the real social butterfly type, and you know, school is. I, I went into her school the other day and I sat there and I wanted to run screaming. It was like. A thousand fluorescent lights, small classroom, kids are on top of each other, and I think, oh my god, this isn't even. I couldn't even learn here. I, I can't stand even sitting here to talk to the teacher. So it's, I mean, the teacher was very nice though, but I just mean like, you know, it was just very sensory, overwhelming, um, and there's no accommodation for that. They don't, they don't get it. It's Some of the things are really simple, you know, to just um, maybe have a small classroom that some of the kids could have lunch in, or but they just, you know, everything is a big deal. So. But so she's struggling a little bit more, and, um, but it's kind of her turn. I find that, you know, they take turns in their need, and then when one's kind of on her way, the other one will have some struggles that I need to kind of, you know, carve a way through. And honestly, like I said, sometimes I feel like I do all the stuff, spin all my wheels, work so hard. And in the end, she, like, figures it out on her own, and I find myself sitting at an IEP going, but you don't understand, you know, she needs this, that, and that. And then, you know, she'll walk in the room, and she's like, no, it's all right, I got it. I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) I think, oh, my God. So I, you know, I think in some ways it really is a developmental delay. They move forward, but they just do it at a different pace than everybody else. And they confuse the world because they do it like some stuff are delayed and other stuff are super advanced. And so nobody can really figure out where they are. You know, and, right. and and
2: their presentation of of what they're paying attention to, what they're caring about, isn't necessarily what we want, so that we can right. read them. And so, you know, I'll, I'll see somebody who's reading a book, but he's side glancing doing it, and everyone's like, "No, turn your head." And I'm like, "Ah, he already exactly. read it." Exactly. <laughs> <So, laughs> but if you exactly. don't present in the way that they that neurotypical people are used to seeing, then they assume it never happens.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing I find the most, that you know, just frustrating. And that's where I do probably my most advocating is to, can we just allow her to do it in this way? Like, you know, she will become an adult, and when she does, she will do it this way. So why can't we just stop fighting her and allow her to do it in this way and let's move on? You know, it, it's right now she's struggling with reading, and um she's not up to the fourth grade level. She's probably at about a second grade level, but they keep throwing fourth grade books at her going, you know, she needs to try harder. And I said, why don't we just back up and let her do a report on a second grade book? And they're like, oh no, we can't do that. So I said, okay, so you'd rather have no book report turned in, right? So, I mean, I don't understand. (laughs) It's like, you know, I could get her to write that book report on the second grade level and we can move on. And then, you know, maybe she'll do the third grade in a couple of months and then catch up and start reading. But you force her to do the fourth grade and just keep throwing it at her and, and punishing her and giving her bad grades and insisting. And then she does no report and hates reading, you know? So I, I like, I don't understand their, their thinking. And that's where I get the most frustrated with, like, stupid stuff like that. So it doesn't cost the state a dime to let a child turn in a book report, right. you know, with a different book, you know, or even, like, you know, whatever. It's right. just, it doesn't make sense to me, but whatever.
2: So on the myth-busting,
0: yeah, I agree, I
2: agree. Um, On the myth-busting of autism, you began by busting a myth because you uh, claimed your own autism and then right behind that, Sid, you have these two daughters that you love so much, and there are so many people that say that autistic people don't have any feelings or emotions, and the ones they do are all about anxiety and anger and and whatnot. So right off the bat, we've busted a mess. Um, We're going to bring up a question, and I just want to remind you, you're listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad Stay to the End, where we're going to have stories. And just before that, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. Today's question is coming right after I remind you. Go to Amazon, punch in The Wingmaker, and see if you can grab the Kindle version for 99 cents just in time for holidays. I think it will still be available when this show comes up. Okay, (laughs) today's question is, how do you live in the cacophony of autism and illness and still... Keep your spirits up for the holidays. So we're going to go back to Jennifer St. Jude and find out what her health challenge was recently and how she's going to pull that off. So, all right, you're up,
0: <laughs> Jennifer. How are you going to do that, and what just happened? Oh, wow. Um, well, uh, it's you know, I, I I battled myself with whether or not to talk publicly about this. Um, I had a hysterectomy. And it was. Me it too. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a very personal thing. And I know, I know young people have had it. I know different people. I know that when you're, you know, if you haven't had children or if you're a lot younger, it can affect you in a different way. It was for me, you know, I don't know if it's the autism or just who I am. It's sort of like I'm very practical. I had my children. I have adopted children. I have stepchildren. I have my children. I have all my children. And I feel like they just wanted to take something I wasn't using anymore and was never going to use again. And I was okay with that. It was just causing me a lot of problems. I had a, um, an operable fibroid that had to be removed and they couldn't do it unless they just did instruct me. So um, I opted, you know, to just, let's just do that and not, and stop playing around. So that was uh, my choice. I had never had surgery before. I really had no idea what to expect. And I think I uh, like with my own autism, I really need to know everything I'm going to expect. And so when I didn't know what to expect and like you know, I had to kind of find a way to get some information. So over a Um, about a two-month you know, time period. They gave me about my appointment to have the surgery was about two months out, and um, it happened uh, last Tuesday. And um, so I had about two months to prepare, and I was really grateful. I didn't know how I was going to prepare, but I found that um, I'm learning to trust the fact that if I just give myself enough time to process and digest the situation, I will come out the other end as prepared as I need to be. I mean, it might not look the way because everyone kept saying like, "Well, don't you want to know this?" and "Don't you?" Need and I thought, "I don't know. Like, I'm just sort of doing it my way." So I strangely, you know, did a couple of posts on Facebook, which was a little embarrassing, but I was desperate. Got some great feedback. I um, I hate it, but I, I mean, I love. I love. The amazing um, support and feedback that I've had from my Facebook world, and um, and I also went online and did some research and saw YouTube on a woman who had had the procedure who gave all this incredible information, and that's what made me realize I need to be a little like it's okay to be public about it because had she not been, I never would have known what to expect. So um, I did that, and uh, it was it's challenging because I, I not only am sort of trying to take care of my own needs as a, as just as a person, but also my autism issues and balance that and then take care of my girls as well and make sure they're prepared and they're not totally spun, frightened. And I, you know, like just, it was just a million things I had to do. So um, that was very exhausting. Um, and I also, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be morbid, but there was the reality that I'm not sure how this would have turned out. And it was, it was scary. And... Right. I, you know, because I I don't have a lot of family. I don't, you know, the, the world of autism can be very isolating in and of itself. And so there wasn't like family surrounding me and people beating down the door to be there. And so it was, you know, I started thinking, if this doesn't work out, oh my God, what's going to happen, you know, to my children and how can I, so while I'm doing, you know, the holidays, I'm also doing advanced directives and I'm writing little notes to them. And I, you know, pack them a, wrap them a Christmas gift, like, two days before my surgery and the morning of I'm getting them off to school and sending them notes and you know and I just felt it was important I'm really 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 thrilled that everything turned out to be okay but I felt unpractical I feel like reality this is reality and I have to be prepared so I did the best I could and um you know it was it was what it was it it uh you know i should i breathe and let you ask the next question i don't know i I tend to just go on
2: as you wish i mean you're just carrying this just fine and telling (laughs) us everything but but let's let's shape it a little so you went in so you prepared the kids you got it all set up and then you went in and there were some challenges in the hospital
0: um i do you got an infection too afterwards right yeah i i i wound up getting an infection um probably from being catheterized and that um and again, I mean, I, I really see how my own inability to put words on whatever's going on for me is what I think the challenge is. I know that I monologue well and I consider this like a semi-monologue, but when I'm in a situation and I have a problem and I need to take words to get that problem taken care of, I have a real hard time doing that. I tend to, I tend to just, um, repeat a picture in my head. So if the picture in my head is, I don't feel good. I'll just keep saying, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And people like think, okay, I heard you. I heard you stop. You know, they don't understand that I'm trying to somehow say something more than that, but so I'm learning, I'm learning. And um, one of the things I did was uh, with the help of my therapist, I made some, these little cards that I kind of carried with me um, uh, to give to people that pretty much said, you know, I, I have autism, but then it said, this is what I need. I need you to speak slowly. I need you to please be patient. I'm doing the best I can. And, um, a couple other things that it was very, very helpful. And I found that in probably 80% of the cases or interactions that I had, those cards really helped me out to change the way people interacted with me because it wasn't like, you know, just why is this like getting irritated and frustrated with me? They now understood that I was, this is where I was coming from. And it, it really did help on a couple of occasions it, it didn't. It just like I think every everything has its limitation and um it wasn't hundred percent. And that was that was one of them when when I um was having issues with the catheter and I just kept saying, you know, this is what's going on, I just kept repeating it instead of saying this is what I need you to do or this is, you know, what's gonna happen or what are you guys planning on doing. Like I did I just didn't use the right words that I think would have done better for me. You know, I, it's easy in hindsight. I can look back and see what those words are. I feel like I have this like two week delay, but two week delay doesn't work in the moment. So I just did the best I could. I, I outlined what was going on. Um, you know, it didn't really work out too well. And, um, but you know, in the end over time it, it worked out and, you know, it's I'm, I'm And on you got I'm you got some well. support
2: from you got some support from people on Facebook I that did. helped you to kind of I figure did. it out and do the
0: right tests and stuff, right? I did. You know, and I and I, you know, sometimes I feel silly doing that. And I've had, you know, I've had people kind of comment about, you know, um, you know, I, what what to keep private. But you know, my Facebook really is with everyone on my Facebook is is strictly friends. They're people that I care very much about and know. And some of them are like second-level friends. where I don't know them as well, but they're all still good and kind people. That's who lives on my Facebook world. And so when I post something, it's not to the world in public. It's very, you know, it's in my little community, you know, so to say. And, um, yeah, people were amazing. They, you know, sometimes they don't know what to say or do, and they just say, you know, sorry, you know, and that's okay. And other times, you know, I have some, some very practical friends that will say, okay, you know, you should call this, call that one. Call it, you know, dial this number and... You know, that's not, that doesn't sound good. Go do this. And, and, I, and I really, truly listen to that and use it as a guide when I feel like I can't sort of access my own brain to make those choices because I'm, you know, in the midst of emotion. I find that when I'm dealing with emotions, I can't use my intellect as well and vice versa. When I have to well, be very intellectual, I have trouble, you know, connecting right. to my emotion. It's like a small road. But.
2: Right. And besides? Brainstorming has long been the way that we got more ideas. So now we have a platform to brainstorm in, and you can read all the suggestions. Go, not this one, not this one. Yeah, oh, that one might work. Right. And without everyone throwing their ideas in the pot, you might not find the one you need. So I really think Facebook is very—it's um, very well set up for people on, that have ASD if it's used Mm -hmm. right, like, you know, if you, it slows down, for example, Dar, my, you know, my son, he doesn't speak well at all, but, and he types very slowly, but when you read it, you read it at your speed, so it's like, you know, it sort of bridges that difference, so I love Facebook for autistic people, actually, I think it's Mavi. Okay, so, (laughs) how are you doing now, and are we in a place of, we're ready for the holidays?
0: You know, I'm I'm doing great now. I really And I'm really surprised. I, I healed exceptionally fast. Like I said, it was only last Tuesday, so I don't know exactly the math. I I Actually, now that I think of it, I think it's almost two weeks um, this Tuesday. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I almost feel back to normal except for some pain. I had no, uh, you know, real surgical complications from the actual surgery. Um, and... I'm feeling, you know, way more myself. That first week was really, really hard. It was very, very difficult. I, my world got super small because I was in an extraordinary amount of pain and I couldn't seem to get ahead of it. And even like the more I was in pain and the more I was upset, I couldn't think my way of what do I need to do next. And so I was just really blind and I hate my children seeing me that way because it was, you know, I guess I, you know, I am, I like to be their parents and to lead them out of darkness. And here it was like, they just were watching me kind of scramble in that. So it was, it was difficult, but I got out of it. I'm good. I've gotten ahead of stuff. I'm actually off of all pain stuff. I'm back to my normal self and, you know, just dealing with normal, like, you know, um needing to slow down and keep it simple, not lift anything, things like that, but I'm doing okay. I feel so much better. And, um, I have just sort of been really enjoying being in the moment. I'm just spending, you know, the time with my girls, however I am. If I need to lay down, then we do something where I lay down and watch a movie or something, and, um, and that's amazing.
2: That
0: amazing. is how you enjoy
2: surgery, autism,
0: yeah.
2: holidays. Yeah. <laughs> it's you say, you say, "Wow, because I had surgery, I have to slow down,
0: watch a movie with the kids." Yeah, it's good. It's been good. It's, you know, I, I really, I'm definitely the person in the midst of issues. It's looked very ugly, but when I come out the other side, I definitely scramble away with tons of lessons and, um, just things that just knowledgeable nuggets, you know, things that I will take with me from that experience. And, um, that was something I had. Um, had come out of that situation, there were a lot during the hospital stay. There were a lot of things that were very difficult that did not work out. And when I talked to my therapist about it and just was in the moment very distressed about the stuff that was going on, she kept saying that they don't understand, they don't have an autism protocol for people having surgery. And I kept thinking, why not? You know, like that that should be. And she said, we need to write one, you know, and, and I thought, okay, yeah. Like it just, I'm very, I really believe in you know, you can complain, but if you're not willing to do something to change it, then just be quiet because it's just, you're just wasting time. You know, it's like, so, so when she said that, I thought, you know, yes, you're right. We need to, because I could totally see how some things were just totally missing that would have been in place had somebody just taken the time to sort of write down some things and make a, like a little bit of a protocol for communication and, um, you know, whichever. It's a and, great idea. I haven't created it yet, so I really can't speak on it. But I definitely I need to work on doing something and, and making it public so that you know any, anyone idea. can grab it and give it to their doctor for surgery. I have something. a new can
2: autism they... book coming out, actually, Jen, and if you write it in time, I'll put it in.
0: Oh, you do? Is yeah. this now? You said The Windmaker was out on uh, on Amazon, but is this something on, newer than that? No, it's not out yet. That's what I'm saying.
2: If you write it in oh. time, we've got about three months, so if you get it ready for me, I'll put it in as a... As a guest piece in the book, because I think that's Thank a really you. good idea. I think it's a wonderful yeah. idea. Okay, so we need to close the show. I think the answer to the question, then, I've come up with it from listening to you. And here's the thing: you have to be in the moment when the moment is joyous and comfortable and yummy, and when you can make it that way, you got to slow down and be there. But when it sucks <laughs> and you're in a lot <laughs> of pain, <laughs> you, you you can't run because you're slowed down in pain. <laughs> I (laughs) Right. So then you have to be in the in the awareness that this too shall pass. If you just keep putting one foot forward, and so we got ourselves an answer: how to do surgery, autism, and keep a holiday happiness. So thank you so much for telling us your story. Is there anything special other than this great idea you have about the surgery book, which we're going to stick in mind, and that way we can get it out there quick? Is there anything else that you want to say? This is your moment to say whatever you think would really help people right now. And you got oh two minutes to say it in.
0: Okay. Um, actually I think it was what I had said in the a little bit earlier, and it's just something that I really need to remind myself about in this entire process that it isn't so much what you achieve and how many therapies you've given your kid and how many right answers you had and if you gave them the perfect, you know, teacher or the right school. But it's the heart you did it with, you know, that if you really loved them and you were doing your very best to give them your best and whatever comes of it, I really think that it's your, the effort you made and the love you had for them while you did it, that was what healed them and not necessarily what you delivered. You know, I just think that um, especially people on the spectrum, I don't know about everybody else, but even my, you know myself and I know people on the spectrum and I am I am someone who is, that when when people do something with me or for me, what all I really feel in my takeaway is the is the love and the energy that they did that, you know that had that they had with them when they when they did that. So. That's what I feel. I can't even remember the situations. All I remember is that that person was very loving during it, even during a difficult time. I think to myself, yeah. wow, they were so loving during that really challenging time that I was having. And that's my takeaway. So I can't help but believe that my children have that same takeaway. When they look back at their lives, they'll say, wow, my mother loved this so much. You know, when she was trying to do all those, therapies and trying to help us They will don't remember what those therapies were but they'll right. remember that I love them so much I was trying to get that right combination for them and that'll be their takeaway and you know what that's all I want I want them to know I love them because that's that's really the biggest thing I feel is that I just love and adore them they're so cute I love them I really do and so thank you for is, this opportunity
2: you're welcome and that's the best takeaway ever thank you for saying that I think that's really awesome yes we mm-hmm. remember the way it's done that's, the details fade, but it's the way it's done that's gorgeous. All right, thank you Definitely. for being here, and thank you for uh, being here at the very last minute because I forgot to do a show, so
0: you are the best friend ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You know I don't like to be prepared too much and I freak out, so I, I like the last minute. It's good. <laughs> Happy All right. holidays. All right, thank you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
2: Well, that was Jennifer St. Jude sharing with us. We are blessed, we are blessed, we are blessed, and we are especially best Less now because it is okay, 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 okay. Time for the great guest giveaway. I tried to think, for this holiday season, what would be a great guest that would give something away? And I came up with the idea because David from Uganda is staying at my house again this this holiday season. He seems to be doing that every year, and um, he's a great singer. So we're going to ask him a couple questions, and then we're going to get him to give you the gift of song. What a beautiful idea, huh? After all, holidays should have music in them. So hello, David. Hey, Lynette. It's so nice to have you on the show again.
1: Oh, thank you. It's my honor. I always uh, love to be on the show.
2: Good. We love to have you. So I was trying to, you know, I could just jump into making you sing, but they would lose out if we didn't ask you at least a couple questions about your experience. So um, you and I met, and we talked about this in another show where you and I met, and then I ended up going to Uganda and working with Triska. And um, then when you came here, you were also working um, for me as a cameraman and met Xavier, which was another family that I worked with for Fix It in Five. So since autism isn't the thing that you do, <laughs> I yes, was exactly.
0: wondering if you,
2: yeah, I was wondering if you could share with people. Maybe some learning that you got or some observation you got from working with Triska and for the show, from seeing Zay, and then maybe tell them what you were saying to me earlier about Dar, and then we'll sing, or you'll sing.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So um, autism is a very, very new, you know, it, it was a very new thing to me. It's something that I had never heard uh, of before or even thin but but then that was uh, my, my my brains and, and minds were opened up when I started working with you when you came to Uganda yeah. and and then worked on Triska, and then I came to the states and and, 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 and I filmed you working with 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 there and for me that was uh, like a very very life changing situation that Created awareness to me regarding autism and and, and, and and I learned a lot you know you know being patient with those people and 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 also understanding that they are people too, and they understand because uh, you know my first encounter with autistic people I would say with uh, the you know I thought it was somebody who couldn 't understand the thing. And if I met Dar in Uganda, I would think that da was a crazy I would call him crazy or insane or something like that. but you know with time i 've come to learn that that, that that such people people like da they understand they know exactly what they 're doing when you communicate to them, they understand what you 're trying to say to them and let me tell you, you know when I met Dur the first time I, I you know I came over to 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 your house um you brought me to you know to to stay at your house and and then i i met Dara. I was like, oh my god, what is this what 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 am I getting into but that was, you know, that <laughs> I think was, lots
0: of people think that when they meet me and Dart but yeah, go exactly. on
1: yeah i mean. He was funny and acting crazy, and I'm like, oh my god, where did I just come? What is going to happen to me? Uh, why is he acting like this? This is a crazy guy. I don't want to be here. I don't want to live here. You I know, mean, I was I was saying that in my heart, but I couldn't show you. But with time, I, you know, I I kept on falling in love with Dar, and and I got to know he was a good person. He was not crazy as I thought. He was actually one of the sweetest people that I've ever met. I learned how to deal with him, how to listen to him. I learned that uh, he understands everything that you say to him. You know, and then I got to know that he had one of the most beautiful smiles that I've ever seen. Oh my goodness. And he rarely smiles at me, but when when he does, I just fall in love with his beauty. He's a very handsome guy. And, you know, just living with you and coming over every holiday has opened up a whole new thinking and, and you know, experience with autistic people. Yes.
2: And don't you think that if everybody who had an autistic person in their life would invite somebody else who'd never been around it into their home and into their world, we could change
1: this in a hurry? Yeah, exactly. I mean... Exactly. I've, I've been so privileged, you, you know, to, 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 you know, to live with such people, to live with Dara and Triska in Uganda. You know, I normally check on Triska and see, you know, whether she has uh, sessions with her mom and all that. But, you know, I've, I've, I've come to appreciate. I mean, what, you know, what, what I have experienced with Dara, you know, what I saw with Dara when I just met him, it's exactly what I saw with Triska. You know, when I went back to Uganda, still I, I couldn't, you know, understand Triska. And, and I couldn't even, I felt like I didn't even want to touch Triska because she was acting funny. But with time, you know, the constant visits I pay her mom, you know, I've come to appreciate and love her and, and know her as a very, very sweet human being.
2: So, tell me something when you so originally so you 'd met Dar and you met Triska, and then you came here that second time and you met Xavier, who is a great big guy, and different again because each autistic person you meet has their different quirks. Yeah. Could you see what is the same about the three of them, or do they all just seem so completely different
1: um that 's kind of a you know a hard question for me because um i There're things that I haven't really noticed uh, you know there the are things that I cannot you know uh, kind of describe uh because for me um what I noticed uh you know the similarity, maybe I would say what what is similar with them is is the fact that uh they they are normally very, very happy people according to me and 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 they want to interact you know um that is what basically i see that i see as regards to similarity
2: okay i love that i love that david that you said they want to interact cuz i agree they want to interact. Yes. All of them, everyone I've met, they want to interact. They want my affection. They want my attention. But they don't show that they want it in the same way as other kids show it. And I think that's what's the same. Okay. Does that sound right?
1: All right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the truth. Okay.
2: So we want a song. You're the great, you're the okay, 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 great guest giveaway. So you gave us some of your opinions now, since you have such a beautiful voice, and it's holiday season. David is a Christian, so he will share with us a Christian song, but just change it in your mind to whatever religion suits you, because we love you all. And he's going to sing to us, because he is so good at doing everything I ask.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So
2: please, David, sing for
1: us. Oh my goodness! I gotta think about a good song. Let me see. I've got uh the other, last year I sang for you, Mary. Did you know? I don't think I should sing that again. All
2: right, do um, you have
1: another one. Um, maybe. Mm. All I want for Christmas is you. All I want for Christmas is you. I don't even ask for more, Santa Claus will make me happy, all I want for Christmas is you. You know, I I, I love singing that kind, just just that chorus of, uh, you know, all I want for Christmas is you, because you want to sing it to your loved ones, and... You know, <laughs> oh, my God. I know,
2: and it translates. All we want for holidays and for life is someone to love us, and it matches. Okay. And I All right. appreciate that you let me put you on the spot yet again. Thank you for being right. here, David. All, All
1: right. right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lynette.
2: All right. Bye-bye. You can come out All of right. the other room now
1: okay, <laughs> and give me
2: my cell phone back. All right. <laughs> okay. All right, so we had Jennifer St. Jude sharing about the love of the holidays, the love of the children, the love of the attitude, the way that it is done. We had David saying, all we want for our holiday happiness is the people that we love. So there you go. What I really liked was that David shared with you what it's like from the innocent eyes of someone who hasn't been exposed, and what you discovered is if you open up your doors, And let somebody in and just show your children the way they are and the beauty of them. Their beauty will win. And that brings me to stories from the road. Wow, so many stories are coming into my mind. But I think I'm going to jump off of where, since Jennifer just completed her stuff so well, I'm going to jump off of what David said and tell you that the story, in case you don't remember it from the last time he was on, the story of how he came to stay here and to meet Dar was that we were at um, at a workshop. He came all the way from Uganda to learn some more stuff about editing and cameras and connect with people here in America. And I was there learning how to edit and cameras and stuff so that I could do the documentary. Um, fix it in five where I travel around the world and in five days try to make a difference in somebody's life that has autism and some other disorders so um, I met David and on the very first day I noticed it now I've often been very poor and had to pretend that I could handle things financially in order to survive and he had that look (laughs) so I I just walked up to him and I said "Um, where are you staying do you need a place and he was in a hostel and was happy to grab his bag and come on over so i threw him in the car and i brought him to my house and he, you know I, as i'm coming to my house i told him by the way there's this guy at my house he's uh he talks, but he'll be hard for you to understand because you have an accent, and he has he has sort of like that deaf person pronunciation in his language, and um, you know so. And he's different; he's autistic. But it'll be all good. It'll be good <laughs> because I'm so used to my child. I don't really set it out there how different he might be. But also because why would I do that? He's just a lovely person, and he's going to present how he presents. So there's only so much preparation you want to do. Um, maybe I under-prepare people sometimes, but I just don't want to assume that my son's going to freak anybody out. I deal with it when it comes. So <laughs> so he just was a guy, and I didn't know him. He was from Uganda, and he looked like he needed a place, and I brought him home. So um, that may sound dangerous, but I have spent a lifetime, and this fits the holidays, and I think it's a beautiful point for you to ponder because you're probably going to be shocked and disagree, but I have spent a lifetime trusting people and them living up to it, and i got to tell you, I, I've done that, I've left my purse in a bar and gotten everything back i a man was robbing me recently taking my stuff out of my car and i walked up and said excuse me that's my computer and my iphone you really have to give that back and he did i'm not saying that nobody does things out of desperation and i'm not saying there's no danger in the world but i am saying that when you have an open door and when you say Welcome to my world. And when you are beautiful and generous and loving to people, usually they will be the same back. And it is very different to be um, naive than to be open and loving. And I think that what I would like to leave you with is the concept that you can hone your ability to be trusting, open, and loving without, at the same time, honing the ability, the ability to be naive. And I never knew that when I was younger. So when I was younger, because I wanted this sort of warm heart, I was naive. I would refuse to see anything that I saw as negative in a person. And so I would refuse to honor my own instincts. It's not that we don't know. It's that we won't look at what we know to be true in order to build this fake reality. And that's the stuff that we deal with in schools. It's the stuff that we deal with, um, you know, what Jennifer was talking about when she's saying, you know, (laughs) any old book will do. Let her write a book report. People get so busy ignoring what's logical and what their instincts say that they get lost in the details. So let me remind you, you have instincts, you know when it's dangerous, trust them, step away, don't question it, and now relax and open your heart. Because if David hadn't opened his heart, then he wouldn't have accepted my son. He wouldn't have then been able to Mm -hmm. find Triska for me to help. You wouldn't have fixed it in five to watch on the Autism Channel. I, I mean, it just goes and goes and goes. And that happened because I opened my heart to him. So, it's holidays. And holidays are meant for us to take a moment to stop spinning in fear. And stop spinning and perseverating on all the things that are going to go wrong. And just be here in the moment of love. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. This is a new spin on autism answers. Thank you for being here. Because without you, I'd just be talking to myself. I can't hear you